0: You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. Hope you're having a great weekend. Turn to the book of Acts chapter 13. We're going to jump right in. This closes out our series, at least for this moment. In Acts, as uh, Pastor Trent just said, we're going to go to a series called Sync Next Week. So, we're going to do some history and some review bringing us from acts 1 to acts 13 and hopefully close this out well today let's start with this god is sovereign amen okay three people believe that that's a trinity i guess that's that's not bad let's try god is sovereign Amen? amen That means he is ruling and reigning, sovereign, reigns over all things, reigns over your life and my life. He is sovereign. He knows everything. You are here today by the sovereign power of Almighty God. He knew you would be here this morning. He knew what was going to be sung and said would need to enter the field or the penetrate your heart. He knew what kind of of the four soils you were bringing into this place today, whether you would be able to receive it and hear it and let it soak in. He knew. He knew exactly what you needed today. He knows what you needed yesterday. He knows what you need tomorrow. He is sovereign. You are not here by accident. You did not just take that last breath by accident. God is sovereign. Everything you do and say, everything he has allowed in your life, God is sovereign. And he has placed you right where you are in your life. You may think, my life is a mess. It's chaotic, relationships falling apart. I don't know where I'm going to be from one day to the next. I'm telling you, all of that aside, God is sovereign. He has placed you exactly where you need to be right now. In the place that you live, in the friends that you have, in the place that you work, you are exactly right in the middle of his sovereign grace and his sovereign power. He has put you there for a purpose. He wants to use your life to make his name known. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are at a place where He has placed you to make His name known. To tell more and more people that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Savior of the world, that there is no other hope on this planet other than Jesus Christ, that every follower of Jesus Christ in this place and listening to me this morning would understand and realize the place that you have right now to fulfill the purpose of God in the world. God is sovereign, and he has you right where he wants you to fulfill his purpose. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Because I'm concerned that there is a spectator mentality that plagues the church. That somehow in our cultural Bible belt Christianity, that there's this thought that what it means to be a Christian is to show up to a specific location on a Sunday morning, And the book of Acts, if it's about anything, it's about getting the word of God that has saved you and made you come alive, but he saved you not to sideline you, but to put you right in the middle of the action. He saved you to do something. The number of churches in the United States has flatlined And the more our population growth increases, the number of churches flatlining, the gap between those who are saved and those who are not saved, the gap between those who are church and unchurched continues to widen every week. The North American Mission Board says there are 250 million people who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in North America, and if nothing changes in their life, will end up in hell. Broaden our scope to the world, there are over 7.2, 7.3 billion people in the world. Statistics tell us that a third of those are probably Christian, and I think that's a little high, but nevertheless, that means that four to five billion people in the world don't believe in Jesus Christ. And if nothing changes in their life, we'll end up separated from God forever. Forever. A couple billion of those don't even believe Christ because they've never even heard of Christ. Let's make it more personal at home. Blunt County has 135,000 people, approximately. Knox County has 472,000, a total of 607,000 in what would be considered our Jerusalem. Statistics say, and I don't believe them, that 50% of those are followers of Jesus. Pastor Trent gave us some stats a couple weeks ago, a little more intensive um, survey taken, said that 20% of those in this area are really, truly followers of Jesus Christ. But even if it's 50%, that means that 67,500 lost people live in Blount County. 236,000 in Knox County. Together, there are 303,500 lost people right here in our Jerusalem. So just in Blunt County, what we consider the Bible Belt, right here where everybody knows about Jesus, everybody's heard, just to move the needle 1% in the area of lostness. Just 1% we would have to see 675 people come to Christ every year. Just to move the needle of losses 1%. But let's say it's 20%, which I really think that's probably more accurate. Just 20% of those people in our area followers of Jesus. That means there are 108,000 lost people in Blunt County. And to move the needle 1%, we need to lead 1,080 people to Christ every year, just for 1% dent into the lostness in our area. 1,080 people. You know how many people are born every year in Blunt County? 1,095 which means if we really do 1,080 every year, all we're really doing is keeping up with population growth. It doesn't really even dent lostness even 1%. If we combine both Blunt County and Knox County at 20%, 485,000 lost people in our Jerusalem, and to move the needle 1%, we would need to see 4,856 people come to Christ this year alone and every year following, just to move the needle on lostness 1%. My friends, we don't have time to play games in the church. And the older I get, I think I I feel that urgency more and more. We don't have time to sit on the sidelines and coast down a nice, comfortable, casual Christianity because that's not Christianity at all. Christianity says that Jesus Christ has risen and he is Lord. He is Lord over me. He is Lord over you. Which means he is Lord over all things and our life is his to spend for the spread of the gospel however he wants to the very ends of the earth. And I wish that every Christian in every church would grasp that truth. For each of us to see the place of God and the plan of God to make the risen Christ known among all peoples, both here and around the world. I think in the spectator mentality, people think, well, I'm an accountant, I'm a, hairdresser, I'm a teacher, I'm a college student, I'm retired, I'm a stay-at-home mom or dad, I'm a plumber, I work in IT, I'm a construction worker, I'm a lawyer. What, What place do I really have in the kingdom of God? What place do I really have in the spread of the gospel among all the people of the earth? And I hope as we read today, the answer to that question becomes very, very clear to you. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now there were people, there were were in the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menae, and a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, who we know as Paul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them out. Now, the first thing I want to do before we get too deep into 13 is rewind and find out what is this church at Antioch? You talk about having a couple good members in your church, Paul and Barnabas. That's a pretty good place to start. Imagine Paul walks in today. How you doing, Paul? What's been going on this week? I've been in jail most of the week. Got out today. Glad to be at church. What's wrong with your eyes? It's where they hit me and my eyes swollen shut. But I'll be back out tomorrow. You want to go with me? Let's rewind and understand where this church in Antioch came from. This this is the great story of the founding of the greatest mission-sending church in the history of the world. The church in Antioch is the greatest mission-sending church to take the gospel to the whole earth from Acts chapter 13 right here where they send out Paul and Barnabas to Acts chapter 28. There's never been a church like the church of Antioch. But before we get into it, I want to give you two words that sum up the picture of Acts to let these words penetrate our heart. What what is the key to all of this spreading of the gospel throughout the book of Acts and throughout the world? Two words that picture the book of Acts and the church in the book of Acts, these two words are this, ordinary people. Ordinary people. You say, what does that mean, ordinary people? Well, let's rewind. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will receive power from on high, and you will be my witnesses, say it with me, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the rest of the earth. The problem is that, that the, the church is stuck in Jerusalem for the first seven chapters. Flip back to Acts chapter 7 Right at the end in verses 58, the church hasn't made it past Jerusalem after Jesus said this in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, it's still stuck in Jerusalem until a a very defining moment happens in Acts chapter 7 verse 58. They cast him out of the city. Stephen has just preached this very convicting, strong sermon. And they cast him out of the city to stone him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. And Saul, who would later become Paul, proved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except who? All of the believers were scattered except who? Say it real loud. The apostles, devout men, the pros. The pros stayed in Jerusalem. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, the original terrorists of the church of Jesus Christ. And he entered house after house, dragging off men and women, and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about doing what? Preaching the word, Philip went on to Samaria. Up until this point, the gospel is stuck in Jerusalem, and this amazing persecution and this martyrdom and stoning of Stephen and Paul ravaging, Saul at this time ravaging the church, terrorizing the church, going from door to door, ripping them out of their homes and throwing them into prison and persecuting them and beating them, caused the church to scatter throughout Judea and Samaria. But who is taking it there? Who is taking it there? Not the apostles, not the pros. Who's taking the gospel? Ordinary people. Ordinary people not the pros, they stayed in Jerusalem. But the Jimmys and the Joes and the Joanns scattered out of Jerusalem, no particular direction, no church planning experience, no Jerusalem mission board behind them, no mother church to birth them, just some guys and some girls with the gospel. And apparently, this is how the gospel is intended to spread, through ordinary people and apparently the people of God with the gospel of God are sufficient to plant the church of God for the people of God, ordinary people. Do we really believe that? Do you really believe that the hope of 1080 people getting saved in Blunt County this year just to move the needle 1% or just even to keep up with population growth do you really believe that that the that the plan of God and the sovereignty of God for that to take place is you is you not the pros but ordinary people Turn to Acts chapter 11, verse 19 and 20. Acts chapter 11, 19 and 20. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, so he's going back. Luke, the writer of Acts, is going back, talking about the persecution of Stephen and the the martyrdom of Jesus that we just read. They were scattered and traveled as far as and Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. So these people who were scattered went to Antioch. They start the church of Antioch. What were the names of the people who founded the church of Antioch? Just some guys, just some guys who were scattered out of Jerusalem at the persecution of Stephen and the persecution of Saul and the the murder of Stephen, just some guys and just some girls. We don't even know their names. Planted and founded the greatest Church in the history of Christianity. Who founded it? Some guys. Some ladies. Unnamed, ordinary Jews who put their faith in Jesus Christ. What did they do? Sharing the gospel as they were going. Ordinary people. What would happen if we really, really, really believed that? That you were placed at your place as a teacher, as a coach, as an accountant, as an a, a, as a as an IT worker, as a, a as a lawyer, as a wherever you are placed. Ordinary people, not Christian pros. Ordinary people placed out in the community for the expanse of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? God is sovereign and he has placed you just where he wants you to get his word out. Ordinary people. But we also see in the book of Acts, as they come to this place in Acts chapter 13, ordinary people with extraordinary power. Acts chapter 2. Jesus has already predicted in Acts 1-8, the power is going to come on you and you're going to be my witnesses. Acts chapter 2, we see this power. It's called Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is unleashed and laid out onto the people and something happens that has never happened before. The great mystery that the prophets never understood, that no one understood. Only Jesus predicted it in the Gospel of John that when I leave, someone else is coming. Who is it? This comforter, this helper, This Holy Spirit is now. He's not just coming to encourage you and help you and be around you. He's coming to be in you. The third person of the Trinity, the very encumbrance of the very life of Jesus Christ, once you become a follower of Jesus, is going to inhabit your very life, your soul, your heart. the Holy Spirit that fell down in Acts chapter 2 in Jerusalem and came in tongues of fire, and and everybody began speaking in their own language, and they were being understood in their own language by by Peter as he's preaching a language they didn't know, but they were understanding it. Everybody was hearing the gospel proclaimed in this amazing moment. 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And that same Holy Spirit that falls in Acts chapter 2 in Jerusalem lives inside of you and me. The power to raise the dead, the power to heal the sick, the power to bind the brokenhearted, the power to release the captives, the power of the Holy Spirit to take the gospel boldly to your influence around you lives in you. We have no idea the depth of power that is available to each one of us. No idea. We do not seem to understand the power that is in us as the people of God. Especially in the Western world where we live and we have so much stuff and we think things get fixed and done because of intellectual know-how. It's when you go to other countries and you see such a dependence on the Holy Spirit that you see amazing, miraculous things happen. But I, I want to see them happen here. Here in your life, in my life, and we can see them every day. Someone comes to faith in Jesus. There's a miraculous conversion that takes place. We just do not seem to understand the power that is in us as the people of God. Jesus said to his disciples in John 14, you're going to do greater things than I have done. How can Jesus look to disciples, look to us, and say, you're going to do greater things than I've done? Well, he wasn't talking about quality. we will never do better quality than the Son of God. He's talking about quantity. Jesus was never going to take the gospel to where you live, to where you work, to where you exercise, to the soccer fields where your kids play and the basketball courts where your kids play and, 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 and the fishing lakes and all the things that are around us. That was you. He's gonna do greater things because he's in you and he's gonna do them through you. He's talking about quality. I mean, talking about quantity. The Spirit is not going to just be on a select few. He's going to be on and in every single believer, every single one of you. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit of Christ living in you. It's amazing. It's unbelievable, and if you don't have the Holy Spirit of Christ, if you do not have the Spirit, you do not have Christ, you do not have salvation. So what is the strategy for Blunt County and Knoxville and Washington, D.C. and India and London and your work and your neighborhood and where you play? Is it going to be to try to get a bunch of people in a room to hear one person speak? How are we going to get 4,600 people in a room every year just in Blunt County or Knox County? Or three to four billion people in the world? We're going to get them in a room so somebody can preach to them? No, it's not, that's not the plan. It doesn't work that way. Or is it going to be scattering thousands upon thousands of ordinary people filled with the Holy Spirit of God sharing the gospel of Christ everywhere they go? That's Jesus's plan. That's the sovereignty of God. My friends, you are the evangelistic discipleship strategy for reaching Blunt County and Knox County and our Jerusalem and the world and our partner cities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are that plan. Not the pros. what the Bible would call ordinary people. Teachers, engineers, accountants, retired folks, stay-at-home moms or dads, barbers, college students, factory workers, high school students, ordinary people. All of them, not just ordinary, why? Because they are filled with an extraordinary power. And what are they doing? What are these ordinary people doing we've already read? What are they doing? They're preaching or teaching the word of God. Acts 8, they were scattered. They preached the word of God. Acts 11, they were scattered. They preached the word of God. Acts 13, verse 5, Paul and Barnabas are sent out. And when they arrived in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God. Preaching the word of God first to the Jews, some to the Gentiles, then and went to the Gentiles and many believed. Now, when you think about preaching, don't think about somebody being on a stage. We think this is preaching. But these people were on a stage. They weren't on a stage preaching. They're, They're just being scattered. And as they're scattered, they're telling people about Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. It is what the Spirit was empowering them to do. You will receive power from on high, and you will be my witnesses. They were witnessing to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Telling people that death has been defeated, and Jesus is life. He gives you purpose. He makes you free. And these ordinary people with extraordinary power preaching, teaching the Word of God, as they are preaching, what are they doing? They are praying. Praying. All throughout, we see prayer happening continually in the lives of these people. These first followers of Jesus, our ancestors in a sense of our spiritual heritage. And when we see this, we become so intimidated. We we can even shrink back. Even some of you may be going, oh my goodness, I cannot share the gospel. I have struggled even being faithful myself. I am the worst example of what it means to be a Christian. How could I possibly tell someone else? We become so intimidated. We... We become so, oh, we've got secret sins. We've got things going on. I cannot, I don't want to put myself out there. Man, if I'm even identified as a Christian, whoa, there would be people like passing out. I would need the power of the Holy Spirit to resurrect people back to life if they even knew I was a Christian. That's why they're praying. Praying for boldness praying for boldness. Oh Lord, give us the strength and the power to be your witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Blount County, Maryville, Alcoa, Knoxville, Knox County, so that the Spirit of God is unleashed in me, speaking about Jesus, the resurrected Christ. Oh dear God, I pray for boldness. I'm so weak, and where I am weak, you are strong. I don't have the words. I don't have the education. I don't know. I don't have the experience. I'm not, I'm not, I've not been a Christian long enough. Oh, dear God, I pray for boldness. How many times a week do you pray for boldness to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? How often is boldness on your list of prayer? As a matter of fact sorry about this uh, thing here as a matter of fact, should boldness be our number one prayer request? If God of sovereignty he's placed me right where I am to be, share the witness, be a witness to my Jerusalem, my Judea and my area, my circle of influence? Then I need to pray, I need to pray for boldness. Maybe that is the number one prayer request on my life. But how many times a week do we pray for boldness? Every major response to the gospel throughout the book of Acts comes as a response to prayer. Don't let prayer be supplemental in your lives. Let prayer, it must be fundamental. Foundational. Who are the people you have on your list that are lost or far from God or you don't really even know where they are spiritually but they're certainly not pursuing God and making him authority over life and are they on your prayer list? Praying for boldness, praying for them that their heart, the soil, the field in their heart will be open and the soil will be open as you engage them. If ordinary people are going to step up to speak about Jesus and have spiritual conversations everywhere they go, we need to pray the power of the Holy Spirit, and we need to pray for boldness. And then lastly, ordinary people with extraordinary power teaching and preaching the gospel everywhere they go, praying for boldness, clarity, opportunities. Lastly, we see Paul and Barnabas are sent out. This is considered the first missionary journey of Paul. It begins in verse 4. And they begin to travel. And then Paul, as he lands certain places, he begins to teach. And as they begin to teach over in verse 42 of chapter 13, we see the response. As they went out, The people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Wouldn't that be something? But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict What was spoken by Paul, reviling him. That can't be good. You ever been reviled? I'm reviling you. That doesn't sound good. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out, how? Boldly. I bet they prayed for boldness. You want to bet that? I bet they prayed for boldness. Saying... It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. But since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are returning to the Gentiles. For the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Do you realize this verse, you are this verse, you and I are this verse? This is amazing. This is our verse. They went to the Jews, the Jews didn't want to hear the gospel. The Gentiles, we wanted to hear it. This is the verse. Thank you, Paul, for praying and boldly speaking the word of God and coming to us. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. As many as were appointed to eternal life believed and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Jews incited some devout women, high-standing, leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, drove them out of the district, but they shook off the dust of their feet against them and went to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and filled with what? The Holy Spirit. Man, this is exciting. We are, lastly, I just want you to see that like Paul and Barnabas, we're sent out. We are sent out. There's so many commands in the New Testament about going that we don't even have time to go over all of them. There's no such thing as a call to go. There is a command to go, but there's not a call to go. The command is as you are going. The call is where you might go. Your call might be different than my call, but the command to go is exactly the same for you and for me. So, tomorrow you're going to go to your office, or your business, or your school, or your field, or your leisure time, your workout play. You're going. You're going tomorrow. There's, there's no question about whether or not you're going. You're going to wake up tomorrow and go somewhere. Can I get a witness? Is that going to be true? I mean, even if you get up and go to the bathroom, you went somewhere. I don't know how many people will be in your bathroom. I hope no one, but I'm just saying, you're going. We're always going. But we leave the results to the Holy Spirit. We leave the results to the Holy Spirit. I, you, we can't save anyone. My friends, there is absolutely zero pressure on you and me. Can you imagine playing a ball game and you couldn't lose? That'd be good. That'd be nice. Never lose. I'm shooting 100%. Why? Because I'm I'm not responsible for saving anybody. I'm responsible for telling everybody. We see in these last verses, what we consider the three responses Red light, yellow light, green light. That's what we use. That's what we're going to use in our training next week. Red light, yellow light, green light. Red light, verse 45, right? When the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous, began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. Well, that can't be good. I would say reviling. If somebody's reviling you, I would call that a red light. Anybody want to agree with that? I mean, that feels like a red light, right? I don't want to hear, be quiet, stay away from me. I'm not interested. Red light. Mark and I, uh, no, no, this was in London. I remember being in London and going up to this person. Hey, how are you? I'm an American. I'm new to your area. We're just here learning the culture, learning spiritual conversation. Love to have a spiritual conversation with anything in your life, you'd like to talk about in that area? Absolutely not. Okay, I'm not a smart guy, but I go, hey, that's a red light, right? I mean, would you say anybody agree with me? Red light, stop, don't go. Yeah, red light. Okay, what do they do with the red light? Shake the dust off their feet. We're gone. I'm not responsible for that guy. His heart's hard. He's not ready. The soil is tough. God hasn't been working. The Holy Spirit's not moving yet. Just checking. I'm just checking. Then there's yellow light. Yellow light's verse 42 and 43. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath... And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of Can you come back next week and say more? We'd like to hear more. Could we meet again next week? Could we go to Starbucks? Could we go to a coffee shop and continue to have spiritual conversations? I've never heard these things before. Or something's going on in my life. I know it's empty. I need something. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's Jesus, but I'd love to have more conversations about this. Yell a light. It's not bad. Matter of fact, it's kind of good. For most people, yellow light in our culture means really go faster anyway. (laughs) So if we contextualize this, which I don't know if we can do, but anyway, if we could, it kind of means I'm really going into them now. You know, they were open. They gave me a crease, right? And then what we're looking for and we hope is the green light, verse 48. And when the Jews heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many were appointed to eternal life, they believed. Amen? These are the people that founded something that got the word to us over here. It's it's amazing. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Oh, man, that's a green light. Do you want to follow Jesus? I, I do. I really do. My brokenness has led me down a path. I've I've tried to fulfill the legitimate needs in my life with so many illegitimate things. It's time that I try, Jesus. Yes, it is. Green light. See, we can only distribute the gospel. We can't save anyone. Man, it takes the pressure off. Takes the pressure off if I'm not worried about what people think about me. Are they going to think I'm a nerd or weird or one of those weird Christians? Because our society has kind of done that to us. Man, you're going to be awkward. You're going to be this, that. I don't want to be awkward to lost people. We don't want to be awkward to lost. We're the answer to lost people's issues and we don't want to be awkward. It's really how the enemy has really twisted us up. Verse 49 and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Wouldn't that be exciting? that the word of the Lord was spreading throughout all of Blount County. Addicts are getting saved. Families and divorces are declining and being mended. How will the spread of the word of Jesus go throughout Blount County, Knox County? How will we see the whole region and those 1,080 people come to faith in Jesus Christ? Again, just to move the needle 1%. Same way it happened in the book of Acts. Ordinary people. Ordinary people. So, what's next for you? What's next for you? If this is true, and and I think that we looked truly at the Word of God and found and believed that it was true, that it's not me, although I'm I'm going everywhere I can go. But but it's not the pros. They stayed in Jerusalem. It was the. The Jimmys and Joes, the Joanns, the the ordinary people. What's next for you? Is Is it to embrace the sovereignty of God that you are placed right where you are placed for a reason? For his reason. Do you need to pray about the power of the Holy Spirit really taking over your life? instead of continually quenching the spirit in your life you need to pray pray for your lost people in your circle of influence pray pray for those who are far from god but close to you do you, do you need to pray for boldness embrace going that everywhere i go i am on mission i am here for a reason there's something going to happen today in the kingdom of God. I need to be attentive to it. We have a training coming up next Sunday, 1 to 4. Come to church, go eat lunch, come back, three hours. We're going to press into this. It's so simple. This is not a new thing like three circles. It's not a new three circles. It's, it's just a way. It's a way Simple, biblical, reproducible ways to have spiritual conversations with people around us. It's so simple. What's next for you? Let me show you how sovereign God is. In Acts chapter 8, Stephen is killed by Paul, basically. The people scatter. And these ordinary people scatter, and many of them go to Antioch, and they start a church called the Church of Antioch, right? And the man who inadvertently started the church because of the persecution of Stephen in Jerusalem was Paul, and he started the Church of Antioch that would eventually send him out as a missionary. Is that insane? Who could do that? Only God could do that. The very man who inadvertently started the church at Antioch because of the persecution of Stephen ended up becoming a member of that church who sent him out to take the gospel to the rest of the world. Boy, you tell me God's sovereign? God is sovereign. He knows right where you are, He's placed you there for His purposes of spreading the Word of God, His gospel all over Blount County, all over Knox County, all over our Jerusalem, and to the rims of the earth. Amen? Father, we love you and bless you. We thank you for this unbelievable privilege and responsibility. Lord, I pray that there would be people who would step up and be a part of this training next week. Lord, there are coaches and teachers and accountants and and lawyers and business people who, who have influence, their stay-at-home moms and stay-at-home dads and people who are working uh, and, and playing and at fields and, and, and uh, with their kids out every night. And you have placed them right where they need to be. We just need to increase our awareness that we are not spectators, we are participators, and we are in the gospel game. I pray, Lord, that you would do something great in our county, our area, our Jerusalem, and the world. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.